Hello and welcome to episode 167 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always, and due to technical difficulties, I am solo today. So this will be a brief intro, but if you could like, rate, review, share, all that good stuff, I would appreciate it. Helps with the algorithms, gets us uh, into more people's... uh, inboxes. I don't know what you want to call it. This week's guest is the travel expert that I've been telling you all about for the last few weeks. Uh, Her name is Charlotte Thompson. She goes by Charlotte from Chicago, even though she now lives in Washington, D.C. I don't know. We'll have to bring that up with her at a later date. But she was nice enough to come on, do some research about uh, the the pitfalls of you know disabled travel like the ch- you know the amount of wheelchairs that are getting damaged on a yearly basis, which is completely jaw dropping, um, you know and and we talked about some kind of alternative uh, options for travel for for people dealing with disabilities and in you know other countries that don't have the wheelchair access- accessibility that we do here in. Uh, the United States or in Europe and even in some European countries it's pretty bad uh, and then I, you know I make her her give her favorite and least favorite uh, cities and states and countries so um, you know she was a good sport it was uh, it was a blast getting to speak with her and I really uh, appreciate her time uh, you know it sounds like these adaptable wheelchairs are uh, wheelchair accessible airline seats that Delta has brought out are pretty amazing and going to you know, have a big impact and it might not be uh, as as difficult as we thought it would be you know earlier on because she thinks they can just retrofit a lot of these uh, airplanes and not have to com- you know completely start from square one uh, with new airplane designs to to put those in going forward it'll be just something they can swap out so that's great uh hope you enjoy the episode thank you again to charlotte and we will be back again next week with hopefully uh some co-hosts so uh thank you to all the people that are listening and we appreciate you again if you could like rate review share all that good stuff we would so much appreciate it. We're just trying to find a cure for paralysis. Without further ado, here is Charlotte Thompson, or Charlotte from Chicago. This week on the Live to Walk Again podcast, we are super excited to visit with Charlotte Thompson, also known as Charlotte from Chicago, uh, who is a professional traveler who's a traveled to 53 countries in all 50 states, a content creator, and a drone pilot. Uh, Charlotte, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to be here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I was, you know, I saw a, I don't know if it was, I think it was a uh, Twitter little, uh, little clip on Twitter or something, maybe like from a YouTube short that you had put out right after um, Delta had announced this 
prototype of a seat that would allow for uh, wheelchair users to stay in their wheelchair as opposed to having you know to get on the little Hannibal Lecter cart and get backed onto the onto the wheel or onto the airplane and whatnot so I want I was like well hey I'm going to reach out to her she was one of the first person I saw talking about it that wasn't you know on a news broadcast or something so um yeah do you and I know like this definitely isn't your specialty dealing with uh you know accessible travel or disabled travel um but yeah you know what what have you kind of learned about this new seat that um prototype that delta kind of rolled out last month or a couple months ago yeah so my a little bit of background of kind of how we got to that video in general is that my mission as a business is to help make travel more safe cost effective and accessible for everyone and part of accessibility means talking about disabled travel it does have more of a reach in my niche as like cost effective and accessible to be like physically people can do this but that's where I have as an able-bodied person have started looking at travel through the lens of physical and like are these things walkable is this accessible physically for a lot of people and so I am also a big av geek I love planes I love everything about planes And the reason that I was able to jump on this trend very early is because it hadn't hit mainstream travel news yet. It was at a convention in Germany that this got unveiled. So there's a convention every year in Hamburg, Germany, where it's it's almost a it's a trade show. And so all the airlines come together and they unveil unveil products and they're talking about what is the direction that travel is going. And it's very closed for just people in the aviation space, not like recreational travelers. And so I'm kind of on the back end of things. They're paying attention because I just love planes. So when I saw that Delta rolled out this prototype, my alarms just started going off. I'm like, this is huge. Because as someone who, again, is an able-bodied person, but has friends of ranges of different um, abilities to walk, be mobile, that is a big pain point that I've heard from a lot of people. And I then started doing a little bit more research about how many wheelchairs are mishandled by airlines every year. When I tell you my jaw dropped, I wouldn't, I almost wouldn't think just this is my ignorance is bliss mindset you wouldn't even think there would be that many like wheelchair travelers in general that much less that that is the amount of wheelchairs that have been mishandled. It is totally horrific. And so I think it's a problem that has been around for way too long. And finally, airlines are starting to listen and say, hey, we need to do something about this. And Delta has been the one that's leading the way so far. What they have released in their prototype is that it will be a seat that is adjusted to what aircrafts currently are right now. So the nice thing about that, it gives us a perspective of timeline wise that we don't have to wait until these plane, like new planes are built. This can be retrofitted into planes that are currently in existence. They didn't specify what type of aircrafts because again, going a little bit more like high level aviation, you have smaller aircrafts and like CRJs, E-175s to the beasts, the 747s, the A380s or any wide body. And so I, my guess is that these will start rolling out in some of the bigger planes first, just for the 
sake of being able to say like, well, we physically have the space here to do this. And the best part is that it will allow people who are in wheelchairs to stay in their wheelchair specific and not require an airport regulated wheelchair because those, as I have seen, are just not the highest quality. And I feel like it's just, it's hard for people to, to navigate them and for an airplane employee to have to push someone, whereas a lot of other wheelchairs are electronic, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and I'm a, yeah, I use a, a power wheelchair um, and yeah, and I'm six foot four and like 275 pounds. So like, how, I mean, that's, that's been my like big apprehension because I haven't, so I'm 43 now and I got injured when I was 18. So I have not traveled since then, but we, I did travel quite a, you know, I, I probably went on like six or seven airplane trips with my family, um, as a kid. And I don't ever remember seeing anybody getting, you know, on a, on or off a plane from a wheelchair, um, not that that would have really been in my focus anyway, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty mind boggling. Um, and, and I, that was my question. I, I was wondering, um, if, if you knew much about like the width of like airplane doors, cause that's what I always thought I was like, maybe like the width of the door is too narrow for like a, a big wheelchair to get through, but it doesn't sound like that's really the case. It's more kind of the aisles. Um, yeah. and so do you know, I mean, I would assume that you know, every time I've gotten on an airplane, it's been from the front of the airplane. Um, and so I'm assuming that they're going to have to like convert some of the first class seats or at least like the first first class seat is usually where you go through at or where you come in at. So I was thinking like maybe that was the 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 likely location of these uh, adjustable chairs. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I mean maybe I'm wrong about that. I Maybe you can elaborate a little bit. Yeah, your your guess is as good as mine there, but I would say that there's a couple other thoughts too is that again depending on the size of these planes, the the larger planes, the forward door is not the like front front door ascent or it isn't as close up as the pilots are. So when you have bigger planes like a 787 uh Dreamliner you have space that from where you come in, there's multiple rows of seats, which are usually first class or business class before then you hit the flight deck, which is where the pilots are. So with some of those planes, there's empty space right in front of it. And that's what's called a bulkhead seat. Bulkhead seats can either be met with a wall that's dividing like the different airline classes or usually for like more larger international flights, there'll just be nothing there. And so I flew last summer from Madrid to DC and I was in premium economy in a bulkhead seat and it was right to the door. So there was a whole first class business class that was ahead of me. And then I was the first one off the plane because even though I was premium economy, I was right at the door. So my guess would be premium economy seats because a lot of larger planes are going for the more uh, lay flat seat option for business class, which can be challenging uh, to retrofit for a wheelchair. But premium economy is usually already a little bit bigger seats, a little bit more spacious. And it's kind of the happy medium in between economy seats and business or first class. So my guess would be premium economy seating, because that will give you easier access in and out of the doorways. 
Um, and then there's still that lingering question or, well, what about when you have to use the bathroom? And I've seen a few planes that have had more accessible size bathrooms, but usually I am five foot six. And if I'm struggling to be tiny in this, I'm like, that's that's a problem. And so I think that airlines are starting to consider that a little bit more and they will be more intentional as they're rolling this out because there's so many people that are that are hands-on to prototypes like this and the whole design factor. But my prediction would be it would be premium economy seats right by the door. And typically there's a bathroom or something for flight attendants nearby. And they would try to keep things as confined as possible for easy access. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I did uh, just pull up those numbers of, uh, so the department of transportation, um, they're quoted from this last year as saying that of the 10 largest U.S. airlines, 11,389 wheelchairs or scooters were mishandled. And I mean, that's just in the U.S. So, I mean, obviously that's got to multiply numeral, numerous times over the, the whole world. So, um, yeah, that that's just crazy. And and I always wondered, you know, I mean, what motivates like the airlines to, to go through with this? Because it's like, you know, you want to think, oh, that's awesome. They're going to like give people in wheelchairs a chance to to fly without having to get out of the chair. But at the end of the day, like these big businesses, it's all about money. So it's like what, you know, I mean, obviously it's gotten to the point where like so many chairs are being damaged and they're having to pay for for whatever, you know, repairs or, you know, replacements that because, um, you know, wheelchairs aren't cheap. I mean, my wheelchair is like a probably a $35,000 wheelchair. Um, if you were just paying, you know, cash for it, um, obviously, uh, so yeah, I mean, and, and that's the other thing I read that, um, you know, kind of the impact of having a chair damaged can, I mean, you, they can't get you a new wheelchair in 20 minutes. Like, how are you going to get to your hotel? How are you going to do all these different things? Um, it yeah. really, really affects people negatively. So I, I mean, I'm salute to Delta and, I wanted to shout out Air for All, um, Air, the number four, and then all. Uh, they're the partners that um, kind of worked on this prototype with Delta that I was able to find, So, um, which is very cool. Um, and, and yeah, you know, do you know, I guess, like, I don't know how quick airlines are to make these changes like this. So, like, what would you kind of anticipate as a timeline before we would, realistically see these in in an airplane that we could call and and get a seat uh you know and go on a flight yeah it's it's hard to say because there's certain things that i feel like they either happen overnight or they take forever and so there's a lot of airlines right now that are like oh we pledge to be like this environmentally conscious by 2050 and you're like that's so far away like that is so long right but I think that with this, it's much more likely that there will be a prototype test plane, like at least one to show this is how this works. This also, as you said, it's a good business move for for Delta or whoever ends up doing this first is that they get to be the ones that say, oh, like we did this first. We care about accessibility. And that's going to build a lot of brand awareness and just a lot of brand loyalty behind people that are um, disabled travelers. So I would say that 
rolling it out hopefully sooner, but on a smaller scale first. Um, it's maybe just retrofitting one or two planes. And I'm hoping my prediction slash my hope, because I, even though, again, from Chicago, I currently live in Washington, D.C., so I've been getting a lot more exposed to the politics of some of this stuff, and I am hoping that it will become regulated by the Department of Transportation, that this is something that airlines need to start actually, like, that there is some bit of regulation saying, no, you need to be accessible to XYZ, or this amount of aircrafts need to be retrofitted for this. So I am hoping that it's not terribly far down the line that once we see one or two planes that the DOT is going to say, hey, this is really good. We need to do more of this. And again, some of the airlines are like, oh, well, it's so expensive to retrofit. But when you have the politics of things saying, well, if you would like to operate, then you need to be doing this. That is what I am hoping for. And again, that's maybe somewhere down the line that people can talk to their congressmen and their representatives and say, hey, we want you to advocate for us because this is something that makes a difference in our lives. And I think that is where politics can actually be beneficial, where I don't love politics the rest of the time. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah, there, you know, there's been a real groundswell um, kind of in in the online uh, social media disability community for people to for these airlines. Like people have really been attacking the airlines. Um trying to yeah say why you know this is ridiculous we should have these options at least um and, and i think that's like the really important thing too because it's like um you know i was thinking like removable seats um prior to seeing this uh, prototype by delta but with this i mean it literally just folds up into itself essentially and it just provides a space so if that flight doesn't have anybody needing a wheelchair space then they don't have to um they don't have to to sell it as that and they can just sell it as a regular seat so um I, it gives both sides options which is which is really great exactly and that's something that i was thinking about too is again they want it to be able to not cut into their price margin so to be able to market and say no like we do have this seat it's it just it seems like such a win win for everyone that I'm hoping that the industry will start to add this a little bit more. The only part of the issue that also slows this down, though, is that everything in airplanes is so highly regulated for safety, which is good. We we like that, especially when we had such issues with like the 737 maxes and like those got grounded for a while because of safety issues. And so having friends that have worked on the aviation side of things, both as engineers, both as pilots, as flight attendants, every area of aviation, I've gotten to talk with people and hear what it's like on the behind the scenes stuff. And in particular, Airbus is very strict about everything that they do. Everything in their planes has to have a reason. If things are changed, there's so much paperwork that you have to do. And with Airbus being based in Europe, a lot of, I think, and with this prototype being rolled out at the European convention, I feel like there's a likelihood that 
Airbus might adopt it a little bit quicker. That's just my own hunch. There's nothing that I have to factually back that up, but that it might take a little bit longer to get all of the approvals with engineers to say, hey, this is safe because they're going to have to run tests like you would with a new car of if there's an accident, There's they have to make sure that these seats are stable and safe for passengers in case of turbulence, in case of something more extreme and making sure like something that I feel like people wouldn't think about is like, well, are it because of the seat of how maybe far down a wheelchair might be, do we need to adjust the length of the mask if there's a drop in cabin pressure? So right. there's so many details that go into the engineering of like making sure that everyone is safe in the plane and there at there is another um statistic through the dot in the u.s with emergency landings and stuff people need to be able to evacuate the plane within 90 seconds that is like an industry standard and that is why like you have to have your uh bags fully pushed under the seat when you're landing because that is, or take off and landing because that is the biggest risk of there being an incident where people would need to evacuate. And so that is something that comes into these conversations of, well, we're, if we're allowing more like wheelchair enabled seats, does that block anyone from being able to get out? How do we impact, like, how does that impact things? How do we take into account their safety and evacuating them? So there's so many details, which I think is why it might take a little while. But I think that once they get over those, it's going to be a much quicker exponential curve there. That's great to hear. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the safety comes first. And I didn't realize that um, planes had to be evacuated uh, within 90 seconds. And and yeah, I hadn't really thought about even, you know, you see those slides come out on the sides of them from time to time. And I didn't even think about that, like having to get, yeah. Having to get tossed down one of those things might be a, might be a little bit of a trip, but uh, um, yeah. So again, those are always worst case scenarios, but right. thankfully there are people that are paid to think of the worst case scenarios and how we handle them. And thankfully, I am not one of those people. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, yeah, I did see uh, it was probably a week or two after the original um debut of this prototype in Hamburg at the aviation expo that uh they i saw on twitter maybe that that um virgin atlantic had actually or delta had sent one of these prototypes to virgin atlantic i believe is is the airline um so is that something that's pretty common in the aviation field that they share um these prototypes with with each other so that you know if it is something that take is able to uh, be implemented that they can can everybody can kind of uh, hit the ground running with it so there are three main alliances in the aviation world uh, star alliance one world and sky team and so those are the three alliances of m- a majority of major airlines around the world and so delta and virgin are in an alliance together and they actually just started like their partnership together has developed more recently. And so that's been in aviation news of like Delta and Virgin, like being able to book reward tickets via each other. And so that's, that makes sense to me that they would share it because they're pushing that partnership that's new. So uh, for it, for publicity, but also just to be like, yeah, we are 
all in this together. And so I could see that um, more airlines within the alliances of each other, like working together, but those I don't think it would be, that's where we get into, I guess, a little bit of the like um, trademarks and the proprietary, like who owns this and all this, but definitely within the alliances, it's much more likely to see airlines partnering up together and saying, well, we're all part of One World or Sky Team. So we're going to push through this together because what's good for your business and your clients is also good for mine. Right. No, that's uh, that's great that they're they're kind of teaming up on on some of this stuff. Um, you know, I know that I was reading on your website that you do you put together group trips uh, kind of all over the world. Uh, have you ever had anybody in either in a wheelchair? Just I know you'd mentioned that you have friends of various uh, abilities, um, you know, movement abilities. So have you had anyone in a dealing with uh, paralysis or in a wheelchair on one of your trips before up to this point? I have not yet. I've actually, I only rolled out my group trips this year. So I completed Egypt and then I have two coming up next year, uh, one to South Korea, one to Jordan. So I'm still very new in my group trip side of my business. Um, So personally, not yet. But I'm definitely looking for these kind of things while I'm traveling. And as someone who has been to a lot of parts of the world, there's, I feel like Europe is very challenging for people that are in wheelchairs because you've got a lot of the old school cobblestone and you have a lot of steps. So it's very interesting to see like from that perspective now and thinking ahead of like, oh, is this something that people would be able to have access to. And I know we've been talking about planes, but another thing that is a very interesting idea for travel for people um, in wheelchairs is cruise ships. And you can do trips that are round round trip per se, but there's also a very interesting concept called repositioning cruises. And so those are cruises that are typically a little bit longer and they're when a ship is changing from one region of the world to the other. So you might be able to take a 14 day trip from the US to Europe. And so even in this meantime of there not being uh, the retrofitted seats just yet, that could be a way that could get you over to a different continent or to a different part, part of the world because cruise ships are usually a little bit more well-equipped for wheelchair travels. Not perfect. There, There's always room for improvement, but a little bit better than what I have seen so far in the airline industry. Okay. Um, no, that's, that's very interesting. And I know that um, we had chatted right before we uh, started recording here about drones as well, and that you're a drone pilot. And um, you know, I've, had some friends that that use drones um and have you know it's very interesting to like sit and watch kind of as they're you know zooming in and out of different different spots but you thought maybe that would be something as well that could um you know if you go to i don't know like the you can't get in you know obviously i'm sure that the pyramids in egypt aren't very wheelchair accessible so uh you could you know, maybe have somebody with a drone kind of maneuvering around, you know, above and and, and around a, a pyramid so that you can get to see the the whole uh, the whole trip from that perspective as well. So, um, 
yeah, yeah, like in general, unfortunately, Egypt is really strict about drones. They're like super illegal, but I like where your head's at. And for a lot of other countries, that is a really great idea of it. And prime example, I was in India last summer and I was in some very rural areas and some places that you were very jungle-esque and you definitely wouldn't be able to get around. It was hard as an able-bodied person getting around some of these places. So being able to have a drone can give you a different perspective and to have the drone. So I have my drone license. And if you're doing drone work for anything that's not just hobby-esque, you are required by the FAA to have a drone license. And they've been cracking down on people more about it because people fly drones where they shouldn't and do stupid things. And of course, so you are able to get your drone license and it doesn't impact what, unlike being a full-time pilot of like a manned aircraft, you can have less physical abilities to be able to still be a drone pilot because you need to be able to keep your drone in your line of sight at all times. And that is something, again, not impacted by the ability to be in a wheelchair or on on foot. And there's so many unique things about that that's just going to give you a different perspective from anyone, able-bodied, disabled. It just gives you a different way to look at the world, which is what I love so much. And so I think it could be a very cool hobby for people that especially might feel like they're, they're missing out on getting to see from these certain perspectives but saying, no, I get to be in control of this. I get to go see this and direct and be where I want to be. And it's, uh, again, I'm just very passionate about drones. So I encourage anyone, but I think that um, that is something that could bring a lot of joy to people that may feel like they're stuck on the ground for the time being. Yeah, no, that that's very cool. I think that would be, that would be a blast. So, um, you know, I just have a couple of questions for you here, uh, left over Charlotte. And I wanted to know, um, so, you know, you said you've traveled to all 50 states and to 53 different countries. So I'm wondering what is your favorite U.S. city or state, um, if you want to. Ooh, okay. I'm going to, I, it's, I joke that because since I've been to all 50, I can't pick just one. That's like picking your favorite child. So I rapid fire just a few. My top five favorite states are Hawaii, Alaska, Maine, North Carolina, and um, California. And I like all three of those because of the diversity of all of them, that they all have mountains, they all have beaches, they are just very unique geographically. And that is what excites me a lot there. And I feel like Maine is very underrated because everyone else, oh, I love Alaska, Hawaii, California, but North Carolina and Maine are two very underrated states, which I love. And being from Chicago, Chicago is always one of my favorite places. It is such a cool city. I recommend everyone coming to visit. It's very clean, very nice. Um, and currently living in Washington, D.C., also an incredible place that I feel like D.C. and Chicago are a little bit more wheelchair accessible than like New York City. And that's uh, just by the fact of how old the city is. Chicago having had the Chicago fire when they had to rebuild everything, there was a lot more smooth and flat. And especially just being in the Great Plains and in D.C., there's so much new growth that there's a there's a lot of wheelchair accessible things out here too whereas New York is very it looks the same as it has for a long while and it's 
harder to get around. But those, I would say, my rapid fire answers of U.S. travel. Do you uh, like let's throw some shade here, Charlotte. Do you have a, a least favorite state or or city? Yes. Um. So I have t- I have two. I do not like Indiana and then Ohio also. They're, they both describe my gears because as a huge University of Michigan fan, Ohio and Michigan butt heads a lot. And then Indiana, I joke around, is that the actual state slogan of Indiana is the crossroad state, which means they have acknowledged they add no value except allowing you to drive through it to get to other better places. That's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Do you have a least favorite city in any of any? Ooh, throughout Columbus, Ohio. I know. Or... Again, I'm I I have a real target on my back when I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Um, there's definitely a few that are just like really chaotic. Um, but no, I feel like yeah, Columbus might be the one where I'm like, ooh, I'm really like I've got a target on my back here. Um, I like New York to visit. I lived there for a little bit and I didn't love it um, just because of, I feel like, again, I love New England. I hate, like, I have a love-hate relationship because people can be so harsh sometimes, but I would rather take the bluntness of people and be like, okay, well, this person might not like me, but I don't have to guess. Whereas on the West Coast of things, people might be a little more nice to your face and then walk around and be like, "Uh, I'm going to go for the better offer. So I would say LA drives me crazy a little bit more than the East Coast does because LA is so hard to get around. You have to be able to drive. It's so expensive. Um, So I would say I don't hate any state or like any city in particular, but I would never live in LA um, like long-term. I couldn't, I could never. Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've heard that too from other people. Um, what about and then what about let's do the same thing for for countries like what favorite countries and cities around the world? Top three favorite countries: France, the Philippines, New Zealand, and okay. those very much like the states are very diverse. They all have beaches. They all have mountains. New Zealand has more sheep than people, which is really a fun fact. Um. The Philippines has the most beautiful beaches I've seen in the entire world. And the people are so nice. Like the Philippines has my heart. I've been there five times, six times. Um, France, I've been there a good chunk too. I lived in Paris for six months when I was in college. And I feel like France gets a bad rap with Americans because people are like, oh, the French are so mean. It's like, no, the French just don't tolerate terrible American tourist that it's like I sometimes see people and I'm like oh they're American like this is embarrassing we need to be better as tourists visiting other countries and so I love France Paris is definitely up there um Singapore is a really cool place that I also love um and yeah then I would say if we're going back down oh Lima Peru I don't speak Spanish, so I am useless wandering around Peru, but it has some of the best food scene that I've ever been to. And then last one would be Taiwan. Taiwan is so cool. I speak a little bit of Mandarin, so I'm I'm less useless when I'm wandering there by myself, but they have amazing street markets. The people are super nice. The country is very safe and 
it's, I joke around. It's like all the things that I want to like about China, but like actually in Taiwan, I'm like, this is so cool. That's all. That's awesome. Um, uh, you know, real quick side question. Um, I know you said that, you know, so you said that, uh, Europe is not like the most wheelchair accessible place, um, as well as the East coast, but, um, looking at your favorite countries, like excluding France, like how are New Zealand and the Philippines as far as a wheelchair? I mean, and obviously you're not watching for that the whole time, but I mean, just off the top of your head, are they fairly wheelchair accessible um, as far as like flat land or flat? Yeah. So with, with the Philippines, again, a lot of it, you don't get as many, like it's, Again, you have everything's an island. Like the Philippines is a completely island nation. So there's a lot of driving on the bigger islands and then there's a lot of ferries. So it's just thinking about if you can get over the hump of getting in and out of a ferry, it's a lot more accessible because ferries are not as tightly packed as an airplane would be. And so if you have a little bit more um, like wiggle room I feel like that can make it a little bit better and again there's a lot of beaches so that is when you're venturing into I don't know how easy it is to maneuver a wheelchair accessible um or a beach accessible wheelchair but New Zealand is a very developed country there are more mountains but you have more of a developed city and it's not as um old school paved as you would see in Europe. So the roads are a little bit flatter and smoother, which is easier, easier to get around. But with the Philippines, again, being a third world country, it's like you, you get certain parts of the country that are much easier to get around certain places where it's very underdeveloped. Um, And France is decent. It's more like Italy can be very challenging to get around because of cobblestones everywhere. Um, London has neighborhoods that are tough, but then they have other big, like, bustling city portions. And I was surprised that Portugal is actually the, well, Lisbon in Portugal is the sister city of San Francisco. I did not know that Lisbon was as hilly as it is until arriving there. But that's where they have a lot of history tuk-tuk rides. And that's something that I had taken note of was that if I hadn't been in this little vehicle, I don't think I would have been able to get up to some of these higher peaks. So it's, it's just finding ways to be creative and find solutions there that I think there are um, areas that could make it work. It just might not be as wildly accessible just yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And then real quick, least favorite country that you've been to and kind of least favorite city, if you can pick one. Yeah. Someone asked me this on Instagram this week and I had a lot of people in my DMs really unhappy that I said Thailand and yeah. And it's, I always, that always sounds like such a beautiful place, you know, when you see it on TV or whatever. I I know. I just, I didn't, I didn't love Thailand and I think and I didn't, I, I'm not saying I would never go again. And I know there's a lot of people that love Thailand and have great experiences. But what I have kind of seen is that Thailand, very similar to like London, people love it if they've never been anywhere else. But as soon as you start exploring other places, you're like, oh, this is cool. And personally, as a young woman traveling by myself, I didn't always feel really comfy in certain areas of Thailand. Um And I would say also that I felt like that in Istanbul was that 
as a young woman traveling by myself, there were points that I was walking the streets and I had the right of way and a man plowed by me and just almost knocked me off the street. And just because I was walking alone as a woman and I'm like, I'm not even trying to say like chivalry, you should have let me go. I'm like, I was halfway down this sidewalk before you started uh, like passing, like you should have waited. And so um, that's where I have to think into things of as a woman, if I'm by myself or if I'm traveling with a man or with a group. So not saying that I would never, ever go to those places again. There's no one place that I'm like, I will never go here again. I hated it so much because you always can have bad experiences. But those are two places that I was like, you know, maybe that's not the highest up on my list to go to again. But, you know, there's that old phrase of I haven't been everywhere yet, but it's on my list. So yeah. we'll see. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, um, you know, Charlotte Thompson, Charlotte from Chicago, I appreciate you coming on the show so much. Why don't you give everybody your uh you know social media links and, and your website and I'll I'll add them in the uh show notes as well. But yeah, yeah. Get, go ahead and uh shoot off your social medias and your website. Yeah, I am Char C H A R from Chicago on all social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. My website is Char from Chicago. And if you Google Charlotte from Chicago, you will get a few flight recommendations first. You just scroll down a little bit on Google and then you'll find me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and, and joining me for this and kind of giving us a, an insight into, into airline travel. Uh, in a wheelchair yeah thank you for having me all right we'll talk soon thank you